You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, Ted Marchison is our guest today. He's Senior Consultant at Lighthouse Consulting Services. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we do encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our valued advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, our longest sponsor, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision making skills. Ted, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Let's start simply. Tell me a little bit about your path to Lighthouse. What did you do before that? What's your professional experience? Interesting question because I actually had hired Dana when I had a company that was specialized in ERP implementations. Who's Dana? Dana Baroka at Lighthouse. Okay. At the time, one of our biggest challenges, ERP implementations are company-wide, so they affect a lot of people, a lot of players, means a lot of agendas. And one of our challenges is to figure quickly how we're going to communicate effectively and work with the people to manage change and their perceptions. So I'd met Dana at a Vistage. Well, it's now called Vistage at the time. It was tech. I met him at a Vistage event, and I was kind of intrigued by the personality assessment process that he uses. So I hired him to to help us on a couple of engagements, and thereafter, each client we got, we would survey them. Okay. One client that we were at, this was a dramatic benefit to us. We were the client was a particularly volatile client. Actually, Dana, had, in the, doing the surveys, had identified that this person is exceedingly volatile and how people around him reacted to it. So we did a lot of role-playing to figure out, okay, how are we going to handle the different situations that are likely to come up? The interesting thing is, about a month into the project, the uh, VP of services for the ERP vendor called me and said, I don't know how you guys deal with this person. He's the worst of every client. I asked our people, and out of 5,000 clients, he's the absolute worst. Wow. Nobody here knows how to deal with the guy. That's that's distinction. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, do you mind if we just work through your people? Because we can't get anything done. So that was the beginning of the major work with Dana. Okay. And how long ago was that? I started in 1998, I believe, Whoa. when I was working with Dana. Get out of town. So That's quite right some now? time ago. Okay. No, you stay around. <laughs> we got a show. we got a show going on here. It's okay. live radio, Ted. So tell me about – some people may not know Dana. They may not know Lighthouse Consulting. Maybe they're – the loyal listeners certainly do because Dana's been on our show before. But for those that aren't familiar with your brand, tell us a couple things, Ted. One, what is it you do? And why do clients choose your firm over other firms who suggest or purport that they do the same thing that Lighthouse Consulting Services does? So Dana uses the 16PF survey tool, which is apparently one of the most comprehensive. He's a better expert at that than I am. Okay. But I found it very helpful. So in the work we did, I found that 
it got a lot more insight into the people we were dealing with than other tools we'd looked at. I also found that Dana takes kind of a personal interest in this kind of thing and works with people then to figure out how do you actually manage working with these types of people, what does this mean, and so he's doing more than just here's an assessment, you figure out what to do, this person, that person. It's really more of a hands-on kind of coaching kind of thing. Okay. So that insight into people and how to deal with them was really critical. Okay. What is it that you do for them? So I work on operations and process improvement in both in operations and sales efforts. Okay. And what does that entail? So process improvement is really an organization, if they're struggling to meet certain goals, they have to they take a look at the processes that they currently have in place. And if they're not delivering the results that they want, they would bring in somebody like myself. Okay. One of the biggest challenges for a lot of companies is accountability. Actually, it's probably That's better a than very playing the house. Loaded word. Well, the Don't you think? no, because actually you can define it. It's Good. Please you can do. break it down into uh, what somebody owns in the span of control, ownership, okay. span of control, level of authority. Okay. And then what are you going to measure them on? So what are the performance measurements that you're going to hold them accountable for delivering? And then, of course, you want to align the reward recognition systems with those performance measurements. Okay. But in a lot of companies, a challenge for most of them is that they tend to fragment a lot of efforts. They have a lot of departments where they hand thing off, things off to one another. So maybe the salesperson hands something off to somebody who's the order processor, who hands it off to the production scheduler, who hands off to the engineer. If it's a manufacturing company, come up with the bill of materials. They hand it off to some other planner. And it's handed off to buyers. And eventually things fall through the cracks and you when you say at the end of the day well who's accountable or responsible for making sure the customer gets what they want right nobody right that's <clears throat> why i think it's a loaded word because in my experience i um was the president and general manager at a, at a division of delphi and we walk the process in, in a variety of our processes to understand how we could become more efficient and effective and one of the glaring things that came out to me other than a conference room just loaded with flip chart paper and diagrams is how interdependent all of my employees were with other people and how incapable any one of them was to do their job without inputs from others in the organization. So I react to this word accountability this way. It's hard to hold people accountable when they don't have total control of their results because they're dependent on other people. And it gets very hard as the boss of a 700-person company to walk the process and go, wait a minute, you didn't get your job done on time because why? Because she didn't get you the information on time? Why didn't you get him the information on time? Because that guy didn't get you? All of a sudden, you're in such a do-loop chasing your tail that it becomes very difficult because if everybody just keeps pointing to the other person eventually it felt like it pointed back to me yeah so so uh, right and i'm like wow i didn't even know i was involved in this process yep right but yet you're it boss yeah okay so with your professional experience ted how and maybe you're not maybe you are working with companies with 70 million dollars and 700 employees in multiple locations with a lot of complexity in the business but how do you begin to instill that thought that you're going to be accountable for your responsibilities, for your metrics, even though you have an interdependency with other departments within the company. So, excellent question, because 
there, at some point there are going to be departments you do have handoffs. But you have to be able to give somebody some ownership. So, for example, somebody says, oh, I don't own this entire process because this person does something and then they pass it over to me. Right. In a redesigned organization, it's, well, you own it and they serve you as opposed to they do their piece, hand it over to you. So you're going to own it. You're going to make sure that that person gives it to you because at the end of the day, I'm going to hold you accountable for the end result. Whoever you need to provide you with information, that's fine. You can call on them. Right. A lot of other organizations tend to be more linear. I start at this point. When I'm done, I pass it to somebody else. When they're done, they pass it to somebody else. Right. And so you do get all that finger pointing going on. So, but sorry, I'm going to hold you on that because my engineer is telling me it's time to make our first commercial break. Ted Marchison is our guest. He's senior consultant at Lighthouse Consulting. And we're going to have some fun with this interview today because I've got you for the full time. And I'm not going to make this a softball interview. You're going to earn you're going to earn your time on Critical Mass Radio right. Show because I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to say, what do you say to that employee who says, yeah, but you just told me this person serves me, but they're a knucklehead and they're not serving me. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to continue our conversation after these words from our commercial sponsors. talk about your family business you know that thing you put your whole life's blood sweat and tears into well what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children at succession strategies we can help you find the answers we'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I'm speaking with Sadir Chattalavada, Chief Culture Officer for Commercial Bank of California. Sadir, can you share with us the unique culture your bank has? Absolutely. As a former operating officer and a strategy officer, I believe and we believe culture is at the heart of everything. Culture is not what we say, but what we do. Happy, engaged employees clearly translate into better products, better services, better innovation and more profitability. And in the process, we build a purposeful organization. So purpose and profitability go hand in hand. Professional achievement and personal fulfillment reinforce each other. That's what we believe in. That's what we practice. That's what we do here at Commercial Bank of California. Culture is at the heart of everything. It drives performance, happiness, engagement, innovation. And we work really hard, starting right at the top with the leadership team, and the management team in practicing what we preach. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. 
Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Ted Margison is our guest. He's Senior Consultant at Lighthouse Consulting Services. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 16,000 episodes during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, hundreds of business websites where past radio show guests have placed the radio show on their website, as well as various business-oriented podcasting services. Okay, Ted, round two. Let's go. So I'm your employee. You told me I am now having another employee, Crystal, who serves me with the information that I need to do a timely job. And guess what? Crystal comes in late. Crystal doesn't listen to me. She doesn't work for me. How am I supposed to be accountable for my results when she's a knucklehead? So, excellent question. And let me uh, use an example. So, here's a company that does, let's say, recruiting for field staffing. So, they're going to staff certain accounts with people. So, they have somebody who goes out, they do the recruiting. There's a marketing person involved over here. There's a recruiter involved here. There's somebody involved in onboarding. There's somebody involved in implementing that site. And then there's somebody involved in uh, training the people and somebody involved in managing going forward. So with all those, of course, what do you expect? A lot of the finger pointing, everything falling through the cracks, and everybody complaining. Yeah. So the recommendation is you need to restructure this. You need to have somebody accountable for each account, the site. They own that. Okay. And since they own that now, the recruiting people report to them. And they manage this team. So they have a team that they're going to manage to get the job done. Now... To your point, well, wait a second, here's the training department, which isn't going to be there all the time in the implementation, so I just need to bring them in. So the site person who owns that end result is the authority then to get any make changes even in other departments because they're held accountable so they can escalate something as high as they need if they need to go to the president of the company they can escalate it to get the result Mm -hmm. because they're going to be held accountable so in your situation then that's a critical part of accountability is the level of authority if they don't have the authority to make the change then you can't really hold them accountable for the end result right but you can't have everybody having authority over everybody else just because I need Crystal, who is a self-admitted knucklehead. She only gives me information once in a while, but then she gives other people the information the rest of the time. Does everybody have responsibility and authority over her? So 
In this case, so let's say, uh, take where the implementation people are coming in from another department. So right. as you're saying, hey, I'm using a service of another department to get the thing done. If this person's a knucklehead, as an account manager, I'm going to say they're off my team. I'm picking somebody else. And if it's and if that's all I've got, then I'm going up to the president. I'm going to lodge a complaint. They have to replace her. Okay. So the idea of them of Crystal serving me is the fact it's almost like a client supplier relationship where I should within my own company in the culture have the right to get her replaced if she's not doing the job regardless of how protective her manager is of her because for all I know he she's his niece. Yeah. Because at the end of the day if this person is responsible for the business results f- for accomplishing that if they don't have the authority to get what they need to get the job done. Right. Then you've got a problem with accountability. Okay. So, uh, so you can't have accountability without a responsibility and authority that goes with it. You can't. You're right. <clears throat> you so can't. It, you cannot make an employee accountable for results that they don't have the authority and responsibility to deliver. Absolutely. And that's when I mentioned the ownership, there's a span of control and level of authority that goes with that. So sometimes people say, well, this person's accountable for our inventory levels. Well, that's not possible unless they're doing all the sales projections and doing all the buying and managing the sales efforts. Right. So that's a bad accountability again and a bad performance metric for that kind of person. You'd have to split up and say, okay, who owns which piece and what am I going to hold them accountable? Because they actually have to be able to manage that span of control. I know you work with companies that want to do it right, and I applaud that for hiring Lighthouse Consulting Services to do it right. I've seen some other companies who don't approach it that way who have actually created somewhat of a dysfunction in their business where not that they collude, but for whatever reason, it's a general apathy towards results. Mm -hmm. So have you ever been hired to take an engagement on where you get in there and you quickly realize this is a huge cultural change that has to be made? Oh, yeah. Okay. And how do you address that? So there are a couple of situations. Again... Let me give you an example of one place. They, they want to get a new ERP system. And so they they brought us in to help them do the system selection. And one person said, okay, this will never work because we've been through this five times it before. It never worked in the past. And the warehouse manager refuses to uh, accept any of the change, and we're stuck here. We just won't change. So I said, well, give me a chance. So I went to the warehouse manager and said, well, you're going to be held accountable for inventory accuracy. And he said, no way. The salespeople walk in here every day. They take what they want. I can't control anything. People put stuff back wherever they want. I have no control over this. I'm not going to be held accountable for it. I said, well, what would it it take to uh, give you better control? What if we walled it off and nobody was allowed in here except your people? So he said, well, yeah, that would help. So, okay, go get some plywood and chicken wire, and let's wall this thing off. And nobody can get in here except your people. And now, you know, accounting is going to want to come down and do some spot checks, of course, on inventory accuracy to make sure you're good to go. He goes, well, I'd like to be able to do some cycle counts. I go, the good news is the new package has that capability. Well, how soon can we get it in? So <laughs> he went from... I don't want to be, you know, part of this to, again, now I'm willing to. So I find that the cultural change can come about if you do address the accountability. When people have something they can own and they can point to it and go, yes, I control this, they typically want to have a sense of pride in what they do. I think so. The problem is 
most processes and organizational development efforts are against them being able to get that done. A lot of them are point solutions where it's like, yes, you're going to hand this off and you can't really control this and that person does this, and they just give up after a while because they don't have any control over their destiny. It's chaotic. So ERP installations, it's almost the four-letter word ERP, right, for many middle market companies who have drank the Kool-Aid, who like at a high level the overarching span of control and the tightening of the business processes that can happen from implementing an enterprise resource planning system. If you had a group of 10 of them in the room today that are thinking about doing that, what recommendation or suggestion would you give the CEO and business owner in advance of the implementation to try to predict success in that implementation? Interesting question. Uh, a few years ago, I was uh, called in to meet with one of our the country's top three pet food producers. And the CEO was in the room, and he said, you know, uh, one of our customers is SAP. It's a horrible implementation. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. And... If anything goes wrong, it's the package or the people implementing it. Um, but I'd like to know what kind of things could go wrong uh, with an implementation. So I said, well, not that this relates to you, but typically one of our biggest challenges, accountability. And he goes, well, everybody here knows what they're accountable for, but okay, give me an example. I said, well, for instance, inventory accuracy. After they implement the system, the a lot of people go, well, inventory is no more accurate than it used to be because nobody's accountable for it. And so he, he turns to the president of the company and goes, Dave, tell Ted who's accountable for inventory accuracy. And Dave looks at him and goes, well, no one. Maybe that's why we had that $14 million write-off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so and I'd only been there 10 minutes, and uh-huh. it was like, okay, accountability. It's better than playing the house at Vegas. Right. Okay. We're going to take our next commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Ted Marcheson is our guest. He's Senior Consultant at Lighthouse Consulting Services. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. I'm going to ask him to talk about grow the business, sales management. We're going to talk about growing your business through sales management. So he gave a talk on this recently, so I want to pick his brain a little bit on how to grow your business because I know you CEOs of middle market firms are all about growing your business here this year and next. Take care. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. 
You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself. 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Ted Marchison is Senior Consultant at Lighthouse Consulting Services, and he's our featured guest today. I'd like to let you know that our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. And with our exclusive Prospect Engagement Program, we deliver up to 23 warm prospects to each of our platinum advertisers each year. If you'd like to learn more about this wonderful program, then call Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. All right, Ted, I know that you recently gave a talk, which you titled Grow the Business Sales Management. Can you recap that talk? Maybe give us some of your major takeaways and just hit the high points. All right. So basically, we were focusing on some of the biggest challenges in the sales process and sales management efforts. So there are kind of five that I'm going to focus on, a couple in the sales effort, and the other three will be in the sales management. So one of the biggest problems I've often seen is that people believe product is king whether it's a physical product that they're selling or a service. They believe that's the, the key thing. And they're, okay. they dive right into a product pitch about this is what it does for you. The truth is people buy for their reasons, not ours. That's uh, one of the things in Miller-Hyman that I learned way back when, at Price, when Price Waterhouse brought in the training. And it, was, it stuck with me. Because the product people don't believe that. They believe, here's the product, here's all the value, and I'm just going to tell it to you until you agree and sign up. Right. The actual truth is, people don't buy a product just to have it sit there. It's not like I'd go out and buy a product or a service, a tax service or anything else, just because I woke up in the morning and went, geez, I feel like I need something like this. I'm looking for a solution, typically. Right. Okay. So the solution is the king, not the product. 
It's interesting the difference. Um, sat through hundreds of ERP sales efforts where people come in, they do a demo. When we're doing system selections, bringing the vendors, they do go through their sales process. And one stuck in my mind because it's really representative of the product pitch focus. So we're sitting down, we're going through the demo, this person comes in and they're going to talk about the warehouse management piece. And they look at the CEO of the company and they go, have you ever done the following? And he goes, never have, never will. And the guy goes, okay, let me show you it in case you ever change your mind. I spent the next 15 minutes demoing something. We get over for a coffee break and the, and the CEO goes, what is with this person? Right. The warehouse people came up to me and go, well, if I lose this job, I could go sell software. Because I can do better than these people. Interesting. And so the sad part is a lot of these people that come out and just want to pitch a product to people miss out on the sales opportunity because they're not selling a solution. And I think for a lot of companies and, and salespeople that are out there, if they take the time to figure out what is it that's really driving this person to want this at this point, right. then they can build a solution for the person that's going to give them the result they need. Makes sense. Yeah. Talk in is, terms of things they care about. Yeah. I got it. Okay, that's point number one. Okay, point number two is sell on price. A lot of companies that I've come across, they almost commoditize their offering, regardless of what it is. So it could be something really, and again, let me take ERP implementations for a moment. We used to do fixed-priced implementations, which meant we had to do a fair bit of discovery in our sales process to come up with the price. Right. But doing that discovery, we learned a lot about the company. Why do you want to do this? What's it costing you to do it now? Okay, here's how we're thinking of doing it better. And so they would see that plan. They would see, oh, geez, I was struggling with getting sales because I can't get this done, or I'm struggling delivery on customer service levels or satisfaction. And you're saying, we're going to solve that by doing X. I see your plan. I buy into it. It gets me an extra $2 million to the bottom line. So if you're going to charge me a couple hundred thousand, I'm a happy camper. Right. The other people came at it, well, that's too much effort to do the discovery. So here's our hourly rate. And the next thing they know is the person's going, you're charging me 200 Let's get a discount on that. Right. And then when I follow up with the other people, I go, well, how do things go? Well, now the customer's complaining I'm spending too many hours, so they don't want to pay for all the hours. Then they got to go through and review it. So I submit my bill every two weeks, but it takes them 30 to 60 days to pay, and they don't want to pay everything. One of the vendors we were working with had something, I think it was they got reimbursed on 58% of what they built. And they were just like, this is just exhausting. I go, not for me. I have a check waiting for me every two weeks because I the fixed price. I went in and said, yeah, I'll just bill you the same amount every two weeks. And right. they're right there going, here's your payment. Okay. So at the end of the day, actually, my costs are a lot lower. So here's somebody who went out and thought, I'll just negotiate on price to win the business. And it'll all work out in the end. Their costs are going up. They got reimbursed less. And it's costing them more to collect the, the money. Yeah, plus they create tension with their client. Yeah. Who's managing how often and how hard they're working, right? Yes. Okay. So, you know, the adage is you should sell on value and justify on cost. Okay. As opposed to the other way. Got it. Okay. So those two. Okay. So those are two. The other ones are in the sales management side of the business. And one of those on the sales management side is the people believe, oh, if I pay a commission, a good commission, that'll get me results. So if these people are 100% commissioned, they'll do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to bring in uh, to maximize the revenue. What I found was 
that's not entirely true. A lot of people just work in their comfort zone. Right. And some of them are only comfortable doing a product pitch and will never be able to transition to a discovery. At one point, not long ago, a freight management company had approached me and said, look, we'd like to create a consulting practice. And uh, I think, you know, what you're doing in inventory manufacturing distribution would complement what we're doing because we're in the door. We're seeing some of the same things. So I started talking to their salespeople about how to sell. It was kind of clear that they didn't understand the consulting thing. They were just like, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take a stab at selling what you guys sell. So I'm going to go find a prospect. I'll sell them some, you know, freight management services, the kind you see that you're doing. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go through my process and see how much revenue that you know I can generate doing it my way versus how you're currently doing it. These people made like forty to fifty thousand a year in in the sales okay. side, doing what they were doing. So I went out, found a prospect, closed the business. Within a couple of months, it was generating thirty five thousand a month hmm. in commissions. That's because it was a multi-billion-dollar company. Okay. But having done the effective discovery of that process, I knew exactly, okay, this is how we're going to go about doing it. So I took that back to the salespeople. Only two of the people could figure it out and adapt to it. Hmm. One of them went on to make like half a million a year within a few years. That was his income. The All the others, I think there was about 15 of them, not one of them got past forty to 50000 Wow. So just because they're commissioned doesn't mean that you're going to get the best results. Right. Okay. Come back to it takes a good sales process to get good results. Exactly. Okay. The other thing that I found interesting on this uh, approach is that a lot of people believe in the sell anything to anybody model. Right. Everybody's a prospect. Everybody's a prospect. One of my consultants told me, uh, she said, the salespeople here never met an order they didn't like. Right. And they just figure, that's good. There's an old adage that says, sell what you deliver and deliver what you sell, mm-hmm. which means you're supposed to sell what you're good at. So if you're not good at this type of delivery over here and you can't deliver this kind of a solution to people, don't go out and look for people that have those kind of problems. Back away from those orders because it's right. not a win. You're not going to give them the results that they need. But a lot of people end up losing money because they're chasing business that they just can't deliver on. I find that in companies that are solely focused on top-line revenue growth, and they overdrive the sales department. And they they start bringing in clients who don't adhere as closely to their value proposition as their core customers, so they have to dilute their pricing to get that business. They also maybe don't respect the service level, and so they all, all of a sudden make them work harder for the same amount or less revenue. All of a sudden, the new revenue is dilutive to the bottom line. So, yep. yeah, you have a... A slightly larger company, but when you look at the bottom line, you actually have a less profitable company as a percent of the revenue. What have you really done to your business? You've actually made it a less viable business because it's a less profitable business now as a percent of your top line revenue. Yeah. So and you, you're working harder. To your point, you're, you're working harder. You're more frustrated, harder. and yeah. And <laughs> and and, and the, the cruelty behind that is many times their core customers begin to see a deterioration in their service level because now you've taxed the organization. You don't have as much profit to spread around, so you can't hire as well. All of a sudden, you're doing more with less, and your core customers start to feel that as well. So you've actually damaged your core business in doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the irony behind it is the part that was the foundation for the company, like you said, their core customers, 
they now start, they drop their service levels to them because they're scrambling to try and fix these other problems, and they're taking their eye off of the core business. Right. Okay. So. Let's wrap it up because we have about two minutes left in this section. What's the last point that you were making in your time? Rolodex. Uh, it's, I love a Rolodex. <laughs> I hear a lot of people go, uh, so I'll give one example. The freight company, they went out and hired somebody. I uh, met the person. He goes, and they said, this guy has dinner, and he golfs with the CEO of it's a major auto company, and he has uh, regular dinners with this person who's in charge of it's an international company. And just think of all the business we're going to get. A year later, he brought in zero business. But one of the people that was doing the sales process type of effort had brought in $1.8 million. Hmm. I've seen it again and again where people hire people with Rolodex, no sales process, and at the end of the day, they have zero and for those younger CEOs out there who may not be comfortable with the term Rolodex, that is to mean what? That's now your contact list in your okay. iPhone. Yeah, your yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Let's put it in modern technological yeah. terms. Yes. All right. Well, we're talking with uh, Ted from Senior. He's a senior consultant at Lighthouse Consulting Services. We're going to take our third and final break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our con- our conversation with him. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. S&H Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 16,000 episodes during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and your growing support. 
Uh, we've doubled our downloads since January of 2013. So thank you for the continued growth. We're looking to do it again maybe in the next 18 months. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, Hundreds of middle market websites where past guests have put their radio show interviews on their website, many on their homepage, and various other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, Ted, think about a time in your professional career where you learned a valuable lesson, something that you carry with you today. You've talked about a couple things you've learned over your career, but this one came from what might have been at the time felt like a difficult or, dare I say, even painful experience. Do you have one of those that you can share with our audience? Well, that's actually one that got me into the sales side of the business or, or appreciating the uh, sales aspect of the business. So when I was at Arthur Young, I decided I'm going to start a food industry consulting practice. And one thing about the Big Eight is... And Arthur Young was? a One of the Big Eight consulting firms. Back when there were eight. Yeah, back in those days. Yeah. So that and the dinosaurs roaming the earth. Yeah, kind right. of those yeah. yeah. Saber-toothed so, tiger. I remember yep. those days. I read about them. Uh, so... At the time, I thought, okay, they're a good training uh, ground anyway for growing it because they you basically you have to figure out your market, you have to figure out sales strategy, go sell the business, close the business, deliver it, bill and collect. So you get the full suite of learning. Right. The so when I started this, I went and asked, okay, give me some advice on how to go, you know, talk to the people or get a foot in the door uh, with these prospects, and somebody said, oh. You go tell them, uh, we'd like, I'd like to meet with you and talk to you about what we've done to help others like yourself. So, okay, I tried that. I think it lasted about eight calls because number eight was the VP of Ops for a multi billion dollar company who started yelling at me. Really? Oh, God. It wasn't just yelling, it went beyond that. But basically, he was like, You think I got nothing better to do than have all you people come in from all the big eight consulting and other firms and just tell me everything you're going to do to help me? Uh-huh. I got nothing to do but just sit here and wait for you. Okay, I'm going to get off the phone quickly. Uh-huh. So after that, it was kind of like, Okay, I got to start figuring out how to get, you know, grow this practice. So I started talking to other people, I started figuring things out in through trial and error about, you know, how do I get this and how do I get it going? So fast forward a couple of years later, Pricewaterhouse calls me and says, we'd like you to head up one of the practices on the West Coast. Hmm. Yeah, okay, that's nice. And we're having this Miller-Hyman training, and you'd be in the first group. We're just, just launching it. What's the Miller-Hyman uh, sales training? Right. So they sent me some things, and I said, okay, I'm outside your door right now because <laughs> I want to learn how it's really done. Okay. And This must the, have been strategic selling by Miller-Hyman. Yeah, okay. strategic and conceptual selling. Okay, we both. did a whole week. Great programs. The first day of, of the program is... Here are 10 things you should never do. <laughs> yep, did them all. <laughs> so I was never so relieved after, you know, to, uh, to have taken, gotten exposed to it because before then I was just like, scare, sales scared the crap out of me. I mean, particularly right. after the reaction from senior executives, you right. never want to call a senior executive and have them yell at you like that. It's just, it's not very pleasant. Can I ask, did the guy throw any of those valuable four-letter words into the conversation? Oh, yes. No, no. Every other word. Every other word. Every other word. It was really, 
let's, let's put it this way. It's a little over 27 years. It stuck with me. <laughs> That's why I like asking that question. Many times when the guest, as you just did, Ted, it sounds like it didn't happen 27 years ago, right? Those are lessons that we can learn from. And, and I think that is even harder in today's world with technology to get the people on the phone and actually engaged in a conversation. Even if you genuinely can help them, they're not too interested right on the yep. bat. And, yep. and now they have much more... Uh, vehicles to hide themselves from you. It's probably the single most common problem that companies have today, and that is to get response from prospects and engagement. And it's not just an original cold call, which is virtually impossible anymore to cold call into a client and get them on the phone. But it's even in the sales process, they can go dark on you, and you don't know why. True. And I, I was talking with a uh, gentleman, Patrick McClure, we, uh, we met today, and I see he's in a book that, that's authored by your firm. And he was saying that many times when that happens, 70% of the reason why they're not engaging with you is something nothing to do with you. Maybe it's a sickness, a family issue, travel, vacation, business needs. You're just not registering as someone that's important for them to talk to right now. Yeah. It's not that they've changed their mind. It's just you're not that important. Yeah. At this moment. Yeah. But a lot of salespeople get uh, worried or stop the effort because they think, well, I'm not getting anything back from this person. I've lost them, and they just let it go cold. And, and they, they lose the sale because of that. Yeah. I mean, today, there's so much coming at people so quickly. Right. I mean, we're now coming out of the you know recession you bet type we of are. effort. And so people are you know getting bombarded by, you know, okay, where do I go? i got to go here. i got to rebuild the firm. got to get back out of survival mode into here. So there's a lot of stuff coming at them. Today, there's a lot more people approaching them to want to help them, so they're mm-hmm. constantly bombarded. Right. And so, I mean, today's sales environment happens a lot different than it did back then. Right. More people can go online and do research and figure out, you know, what do I want? What do I really need? And so if people aren't geared today to help them make those decisions online and you're just going through the sales process, you are going to feel disjointed. Right. And and you won't and even get up to that many times because yep. if you're not online and you're not findable, you are not you don't exist. Yeah. And if you're not on the first page of search, you really don't exist. <laughs> right? True. All right. So if someone would like to learn more about your firm, how do they find Lighthouse Consulting Services online? So either go to lighthouseconsulting.com. Okay. Uh, they can email. And that's spelled like it sounds? Just like it sounds. Okay. So, or they can email me, Ted at lighthouseconsulting.com or okay. Dana Broca, Dana B at lighthouseconsulting.com. Okay. They can also reach us by phone at 310 453 6556. You got to give them that again. You always say 310 453 6556. Okay. My extension is 422. Dana's is 403. Look at that. You guys are big enough that you have extensions. Yes. Wow. We do. That's impressive. Yeah. We, yeah. We have yeah. Call soon. We're paying for them. Right? Okay. No. Well, that's great. Well, <laughs> I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being our featured guest on the program today. Welcome to the Critical Mass community, and thanks for being a friend of the radio show. Well, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call it quits for today's radio show. I'd like to can't do that without thanking our advertisers, though, for us without whom we wouldn't be here, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, our longest sponsor, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. I want to thank the entire team that makes this uh, program possible. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, then visit our website, criticalmass4business.com. And this is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show. 
focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 